Welcome to Pay Radio, talk radio worth listening to. Enjoy the class. Do you recall in one of our classes, and I know this may stretch the memory cells a little bit, but do you recall us having a conversation around continuity and consistency? Yes, I do. I don't remember a whole lot about the conversation, but I do remember that. Yeah. What vaguely do you recall? That it is good to be consistent in things. People will trust you more. People will believe in you more. I know personally, if I'm more consistent and follow through with things, then I believe in myself more. I care about my self-worth more. In August's newsletter, I talked about expectations versus agreements. You remember we talked a lot about that in class, right? Yeah. Expectations and agreements have a lot to do with continuity and consistency. True? True. Very true. Yeah. And continuity and consistency, I'm going to throw this out there for us to talk about. They can be problematic. Let me give you an example. Okay. Let's say you've known me for so many years. And I've taken you to the airport numerous times, and it seems like a standard thing. I always offered it round trip. If you tell me I'm supposed to be there at, say, 4 o'clock, I'm generally there at 30. And that's consistent throughout a decade. But because the flight is so early, you just can't bring yourself to ask me. So you just tell me, don't do it this time. Just it's too early, and I tell you to shut up. So in your mind... You say to me, I'm going to be there four o'clock in the morning to pick you up, to take you to the airport. So because you've known me and I've been consistent with picking you up early, you decide to be ready at 3.30 in the morning for me to pick you up. Okay. So it's 3.30 and there's no sign of me. What in your mind do you think would be going on? I would have to say that I would start wondering where you were. Because you had been consistent on being there half an hour early every time. So I would start to have those expectations of you. (laughs) And it would be likely that you would call or text saying, hey, where are you? I'd text you. Are you on your way or? What's going on? And here it is. It's a quarter to four. You've called. You've texted. I've not responded. Now what? I guess I would try it again until four o'clock. And then I'd really start considering some other options. So there you go. It's four o'clock. I'm not there. You've texted and called numerous times. I've not responded to you. You go ahead and call it Uber. You make your flight on time. You go to your event. You come back from your event and you call and text me again. And again, no response. Now what? I would start being concerned that something happened to my friend that was always so on time and consistent before. And you have my work phone number. So now it's a work day and you give my work phone number a call and I pick up the phone and, hey, how you doing? Nothing has happened between us. Just you're calling me to check in. It's weird that you're calling me at work. What would you probably say to me? I would say something like, is there something wrong? (laughs) To figure out if I had done something to upset you so you didn't do it or if you had just forgotten. I all of a sudden have serious egg on my face 
And I tell you, you know what? I completely spaced the fact that I was supposed to pick you up. Completely spaced it. But also, it's a little weird that I haven't had many texts or phone calls for the last few days. And so let me check. I tell you, I'll check into that. And so I check into that and I come to find out that because my card that I have on file to automatically pay my cell phone bill had expired and the notices that they emailed me that my card had expired, I completely missed those because I really don't pay attention to email. I call you from my work phone and I say, you know what? Here's what happened. My phone got disconnected because I forgot to pay the bill. I am so sorry. Now what? I guess you just go on from there. But the next time uh-huh. I would just plan on my own. So you just helped me encapsulate the difference between expectations and agreements. And the reason why expectations and agreements so match up with continuity and consistency is because when we mix all of those together, expectations, agreements, continuity, and consistency, we have a tendency to fall into taking for granted. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. When I sense I start taking someone for granted, that's a form of expectation, isn't it? Another topic that I think is important for folks to grapple with Enabling, I realized that in my desire to be of service, had to see how my overriding desire to be helpful was enabling people in ways that really wasn't healthy. I was doing for them things they technically could do for themselves. Isn't that the basic definition of enabling is doing something for someone that they can do themselves? Yeah, I guess that would be, yeah. Have you caught yourself enabling people? Oh, of course, all the time. (laughs) But I do try to, now that I'm busier and have everything that I do myself, then I try to keep it on track. Keep all my ducks in a row, verbally let them know exactly what the expectation is that I am wanting from them. Which then I think shift from an expectation to an agreement. Here's what I mean by that. When you communicate clearly with someone, your needs, your terms, whatever, right? And they hear you, they confirm that they hear you. And not only do they confirm that they hear you, but they agree to what you're asking for. So far, so good? Yeah. Yeah. You no longer have an expectation. You have an agreement. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. In your mind, what made the difference between an expectation and an agreement? Setting things down like exactly. I will be there. I agree. I will be there at Tuesday at 2 p.m. instead of just. Oh, I might be there at two o'clock. I don't know. More specific things, I guess. Clarity. It sounds like it's clarity. Is that fair? Yeah. That would be a good word for it. Yeah. Let me thicken the plot. (laughs) Even though we have an agreement, in order for that agreement, in my mind, to be a genuine agreement, a true agreement, 
the agreement needs to be mutual. It needs to have a feeling of, yeah, both sides of the fence need to have a, yeah, I want to do this. Now, if there is any kind of power differential involved, like a boss and an employee, one partner who earns more money than their other partner, any type of power differential, and the person who is making the agreement is agreeing because in their mind, they may not necessarily have a choice. <laughs> yeah. We're no longer in what I call a healthy agreement or in an unhealthy agreement. Follow? Yeah. It's difficult to create healthy agreements because we have to factor in the equation that if I'm your boss and I'm doing the best to create an agreement with you, I want to sit down with you. I want you to write it out. Do you remember in chapter eight, we talked about performance-based contracts? Yeah, I remember it. In performance-based contracts, my suggestion is the person who you want a contract with. Let's say I want a contract with you, okay? I would ask you to write the contract. Why? Why is that better than me writing the contract? I would think that you were telling me that the contract could be as I wanted it. Bingo. That's rare, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Do you recall at the very beginning of our journey, literally within the first week of sitting down and pay me what I'm worth, do you recall what I asked you to do? A contract. With who? I believe it was with myself. Yeah. Was that weird? Yeah. A little at the beginning, yeah. But I went with it. <laughs> Did that throw you? But Did that surprise you? A little bit because you usually don't sit down with yourself and do things like that. What do you think my hidden agenda was with that? I don't know. What was it? Did I not set the tone from the get-go by asking you to write a contract with yourself? That journey you're agreeing to take is your journey and your journey only? Yes. Yes, you did. And I took that very seriously. I don't hey, know yes, if anybody did. else did. But I did. I really wanted to help myself. I really wanted to straighten myself out, my thinking out, and have a better, happier life. So I took that very seriously. And I did help myself. And I stuck to my contract with myself with it, too. Yes. I'm bringing this out, ladies and gentlemen, who are listening to this later down the line. Cheryl is one of the handful of people that I am absolutely eternally grateful for, for the level of work that you did for yourself. Cheryl, could you see yourself going back to the old Cheryl ever? Oh, absolutely not. No way. Not even a little bit of that. No. No, if I start slipping, I start thinking, 
along a different line. What the heck am I thinking? Straighten up. <laughs> no. No. By the tone in your voice, you're like, ew, no. No, I see those qualities, shall I say, in other people. And I think I used to be that way. I am so glad that I found a way to help myself and drug myself out of that because I just would not want to be living that sorrowful life now, filled with doubt, shame, guilt, worry. No, it's just not worth it. If you realize you're living like that and there is an out and other people have had it, I would go for it. I feel so much better, so much more in balance and everything. It's just wonderful. Smiling, smiling, smiling. I'm bringing this up because I'm going to make another leap here. Smack me down if I'm wrong or tell me how it's accurate. From the work that you've done, have you shifted away from expectations and towards agreements more than before? Yes. Yes. And I do find myself using the tools that we learned in class so that I can get it more into an agreement instead of just an expectation. Even an with yourself? Yes. Yeah. So now I would say continuity, consistency are working in your favor. Yeah. Continuity and consistency. At the time of this event, it's August. We're now about to head into the traditional September, October, November, December, fourth quarter time of year. And as I get older, it seems like the holiday mix gets earlier and earlier every year. I already have people commenting about the holidays are coming. Once upon a time, I didn't hear that kind of statement until October. Now I'm hearing it in August. This expectation that the holidays, okay, what are you expecting from the holidays? And are you expecting it because you're so stuck to continuity and consistency, meaning because tradition mandates you have to do A, B, and C in the upcoming months, right? Yeah. Can you recall a time, Cheryl, where you purposefully asked people to let go of a tradition? Yeah. More recently, because lives have changed, so we just have changed traditions over the years. My holiday traditions are nothing like they used to be for me at all. Awesome. So, yeah. yeah. And when you started approaching people about changing the tradition, what do you recall was being felt by other people? I think most of the other people welcomed the change. Tone it down and not do so much. Just have dinner and stuff like that instead of the whole nine yards. Yeah, just more relaxed atmosphere on all the holidays and stuff. So people were open to that. Anybody would rather have less stress these days, I think. So it sounds like you gave people a pretty good heads up, right? You just didn't change it on the fly when it would normally be happening. You gave people a heads up. Things are going to be changed. Yes, months in advance. 
Okay. Smart move. Why do I say it's a smart move? To let people know ahead of time so that it's not a big adjustment all of a sudden to them. Bingo. You have a way of updating the consistency and continuity. Follow? Yes. Just like our computers. I don't know about you, but whenever I turn on my computer, I swear there's always one or two updates that need to happen to something, right? Yeah. I've gotten so used to the fact that there are going to be updates on things that that's part of my continuity and consistency. And it's more of an expectation. I really don't have any stay over the updates. I either accept them or I don't. If I don't accept them, I run the risk of future problems. Yeah. So what I'm suggesting to folks listening is when it comes to traditions, especially in the upcoming holidays, is it's really time now to start looking at what are your family and friends expecting? Why are they expecting it? Is it a form of routine or tradition? Two different things. We talk about the difference between a routine and a tradition in the newsletter. My goal here with today's experience is it's really difficult to go inside and look at traditions because the traditions generally are handed down in a way that it feels wrong to change them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. For example, I grew up, I'm the youngest of nine, and very early on, mom and dad decided that they were going to institute for Christmas a gift exchange between immediate brothers and sisters and mom and dad. So mom and dad and all my brothers and sisters, the, the tradition that started very early on is mom would write down each of our names on a shepherd sheet of paper. And then while we were having dessert at Thanksgiving, we would draw names out of a hat and whatever name we drew, unless it was our own, that's who you got for your gift exchange. And that was pretty much the tradition for my life growing up until we were gathered at my eldest sister's house shortly after burying mom. All of my brothers and sisters were all gathered under the same roof. My father died way early on. Dad was out of the picture for most of my life. So we were sitting down and eventually we got around to talking about some of the family traditions. One of the traditions was the family reunion that was almost compulsory, according to mother. We were to show up at the same place same time on the first Sunday after the 4th of July, unless you're having open heart surgery or some other emergency. The other tradition that I want to highlight here is we started talking about the family tradition of gift exchange. At that moment in time, I had to tell everyone I have a bit of confession to make. I told them that for over a decade, mom and I had rigged the gift exchange purposefully. <laughs> They probably oh, didn't no. know this. And honestly, no one really paid much attention to it. But early on, mom got into this thinning things out thing. She knew that she'd be having to sell the house. She did not want another dust collector or token or something to get rid of later. Yeah. She knew I was a minimalist. 
And she said, how does this sound? Why don't we do this when it comes to the gift exchange? I will leave your name out. I will leave my name out. You will always get me. I will always get you. I don't want anything. And I know you don't want anything. So we're good. And I said, yes. And over the years, no one ever really questioned who got who. Yeah, it was hidden. Yeah, because we weren't really gathering together anymore. If people wanted to break the rule to get mom a gift anyway, they did, of course. But when I shared with them that, first off, we ended our gift exchange over a decade ago. And quite honestly, I have no desire to be in the gift exchange because honestly, I don't want any gifts. If you want desperately to give me a gift, give me a gift by being in my life. A card, a dinner, a phone call. That to me is beautiful. If you decide you want to continue on the gift exchange, rock on, do whatever you want, but leave my name out of the hat. And everyone was shocked, absolutely shocked. I couldn't understand why they were so shocked because mom had placed a $20 limit on the gift. Even back in the middle 80s, $20 doesn't buy much. Yeah. And I said, the gift exchange is a tradition that is a token, a, a token I'm happy to let go of. And, oh, I guess they've decided that they'll just buy gifts for whoever they want to buy gifts for. And I, fine, great. But please, I will actually send any parcel back to you if you were to send me something. If you send me something via electronic means, like an Amazon e-gift card, I will cancel it. I will not spend it. I don't want it. Clear? I bet that was, didn't go over very well. It didn't because I am now doing something the family had rarely done. And that is agreements. Everything else generally fell to expectation. Right. Is it fair to say agreements are generally far less stress-inducing? That expectations? Yes, because it's all planned out. It's all set out and everybody agreed on it. Instead of just expecting, you don't know what's going to happen. It's open-ended. Expectations have a tendency to be more common in long-term relationships, right? Yeah. After somebody knows a person for a while, they just go on what they have been doing and expect them to continue. Yeah. And you really don't talk about it, do you? Until something happens, no. like me not showing up to take you to the airport. And then when there is a fracture, when there is a bump, how big that bump is, I really have no control over, right? In the example that we started our call with me missing, taking you to the airport. Now, had I just blown you off for a lunch date versus blown you off to go to the airport, would the feelings be different? Yes, I'm sure they would. Definitely. Yeah. Not that big of a deal. Right. But still, in the back of your mind, you will always have a wonder, is soul going to screw up again? True. True. Very true. 45 years could go by of flawless performance, but 
you may still have in the back of your mind, they fucked up once. Yeah, minds are like that, aren't they? <laughs> we, yeah. we have no control over that, true? Pretty much true, yeah. I don't want to control how you think. No. So continuity, consistency, agreements, expectations. All of them, in my mind, need to follow what we currently have on most food packaging. I don't know about where you live, but where I live, I think it almost required either a state or federal stipulation somewhere that there has to be some sort of expiration date on a consumable product. Is that true where you're at? Yeah, as far as I know. At the very least, the producer providing the bottle of aspirin or the steak or the whatever it is that could end up not being good at some point in time, there is at least a sell-by date. Now, whether or not we pay attention to that sell-by date, that's another issue. Right. What I have done consistently in my life for the past 45 some years is that when I make an agreement with someone, what is also included in that agreement is a sell-by date, a review date, meaning let's review this agreement in X time. Maybe it's a week, maybe it's a month, maybe it's a year. Maybe we'll review it when something feels off, but there is an agreement to review it. I'm giving a warning shot across the bow that this agreement could have an expiration date, right? Do you recall a task when you were partnered with someone when you first started out with that person? You had no problem doing that particular task, like maybe doing the dishes or taking out the trash or sweeping the steps, some mundane thing that when you first met them, no big deal. But then as time went on, the relationship evolved, all of a sudden you found yourself, mm, you know what? Now, I'd like you to take the trash out once in a while, right? Yeah. Do you recall where you had a expectation that you didn't really look at and then it became a problem? Yeah, like the holiday stuff. I uh -huh. used to have all of the family when I had my mom and my dad, my sister and her husband and the kids and all of that. Then it was always expected that you did a whole bunch of stuff for the holiday. And now I don't. I've changed. It's just a lot less stressful. I can't even believe looking back at those years. I don't even know how I did it. Seriously, I was working full time, raising two kids. I seriously don't know how I did all of that for, I think there was like 15 people on my list that I had to take care of. I guess I'd started right after Christmas every year. Well, I'm uh, curious, is how you did it somewhat shaped by how you saw your parents do it? Therefore, since they did it, you had to do it? Yes, it was all shaped like that. We were expected to be there for dinner with the gifts and we had the gift exchange. Everybody sat down and yeah, it was all totally what they had done and what my grandparents had done. First, when I was a kid, we would go over to my grandparents to do that exact thing. Then when my grandparents passed, then it changed to my mom and dad's house. 
but it never did change to my house. When you said you don't know how you did it, because that's how you were raised. It did get transferred to you. Yeah, definitely. Folks, that's what I mean about being really mindful about expectations, agreements, continuity, and consistency. It takes, to some degree, the willingness to get the shovel out, stick it in the ground, dig it up, break it apart, look at it, and go, ah, this is where this got planted. Then, once you have some refreshed memory of how a tradition was rooted deep inside you, Now comes the real work, isn't it? Yeah. So much of what feeds doubt, guilt, shame, and worry. So much of that is more weighted on expectations than agreements. Cheryl, would you say that's a fair statement? Yes, definitely. Because if you have an agreement, it's one thing, but if you have an expectation, it's usually one-sided. Like my mom always expected us to be there for dinner, expected us to follow the norm. And but if you didn't, I never what happened? Oh, geez. Six months worth of yep. harassment. Side eyes, comments. It is intriguing how doing the work within yourself as I have had the blessed gift of taking so many journeys with so many people, I have had the chance to look inside myself quite a bit. And it is extraordinary how much of what I thought was value, good in my life once upon a time was absolutely the opposite. It was harmful. It was dysfunctional, but until I had the perspective of other people, until other people started telling me where a tradition came from, until other people started telling me where an agreement was made without really agreeing to it, they had to agree to it because that's what mom and dad said. That's not really yeah. agreement. That's a commandment. There's a difference between right. a commandment and an agreement. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Definitely. I think I'll leave with the notion that an agreement has to feel good by everyone. Yes. An agreement needs to literally feel good. It feels joyful. It feels helpful. It shows a level of compassion and concern. And everybody is on board with it willingly. They're not being forced in any way, shape, or form. And those type of agreements are rare. Again, thank you for this journey. When I have this moment to be able to take time and explore with students who have gone through the class and they've taken it to heart, by hearing what you have to say in these office hours, it helps me learn how you're learning. Did that make any sense? Yeah. I know you've been doing this for a long time, so you've seen a lot of different people and their reactions and how they grow. And so thank you for this time, Cheryl. You are helping me actually 
polish a topic that I'm going to be talking about down the line in a newsletter, the concept of grace. Is it fair to say, now that you've lived in Hawaii for so many years, Cheryl, that the concept of grace is very similar to living in the aloha spirit? Yeah, I guess you could say that. And from based on what you have shared in this journey, it sounds like you've gotten a lot more graceful with yourself. Is that true? I am not as hard on myself. And I do laugh at the things that I do sometimes instead of beating myself up. So yes, that's true. Yum. Is that something that no one can take away from you, Drew? True. True. Once you learn something, then nobody can take that away. It can get buried sometimes, but you get reminded of it and you'll shake back up into that. I, I bring this concept of losing something or having something taken away because I have a notion that over the next couple of years, as the United States goes through probably one of its most historic election cycles, there's going to be an election on more than just who is going to be installed in a chair. There is an election happening on the very foundation of what folks consider to be law and order or the basis of democracy. And for many who technically lose, they didn't win the ballot, that loss can trigger so much else in life. Since they've lost this, now what else are they going to lose? How much more am I going to lose? What is that going to trigger? For most people who lose things, they want it back. Right. Yeah. To what degree will you want it back? What are you willing to do? Are you willing to cut people out of your life? Are you willing to actually vote for laws that will kill them? People in Uganda did. They voted a person into power. That person signed laws that if I went to Uganda, I could be shot just for being who I am. So my point being, when it comes to agreements, expectations, continuity, and consistency, it's the long game, isn't it, that we have to keep in mind? Yeah. yeah. As always, bowing in gratitude to you, Cheryl. It's been fun. So that was great. Before you know it, we'll be having another conversation next month. Yeah, the months just fly by, don't they? All right, enjoy August and we'll see you soon. Thank you. Thank you for everything. My pleasure. Aloha. Thanks for listening. Please feel free to share these classes on your social media feeds. Thank you. Oh, oh, oh.